Hey, Rockheads. This is Music to Code by Track 12. Check this out. Oh, yeah. Just what you need to get in the zone when you write code. And get this. We just added a site license. Download it once, share it with everybody in your office. Check it out at musictocodeby.net. Net Rocks, episode 1290, with guest Donovan Brown. Recorded Thursday, April 14th, 2016. Yes, it's .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. We're here again one more time. What are you doing listening to 1,200 shows? Eight, 1,290 <laughs> shows. Yeah, we're staring 1,300 in the face, my friend. What, what are people thinking? It's like, ah, these guys, these old guys. These old guys still doing the thing still with the stuff. doing though. that .NET thing. Well, you know. I guess it's a fun time to be in .NET. It's, it's been the, crazy. It's the best time to be in .NET because .NET is no longer about Windows and it's no longer about Microsoft. It's the .NET of the people. Nice. It really is. It is getting that way. Yeah, amazing. All this, uh, all these things we talked about, you know, a few, a couple of years ago, especially around C Sharp around Roslyn, mm. there was going to be this. We we predicted a Cambrian explosion, right? There'd yep. be all these things. They're happening. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's crazy. It's fun. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, I got a a news story uh, for Better Know Framework. So roll the music. All right, dude. What do you got? I have to give credit where credit is due. My wife showed me this because she has only 100 Facebook friends and I have (laughs) 4,000. And so I tend to miss things. So thank you, honey. Uh, this was on Steve Smith's wall. Oh, yeah. And it's a story from boingboing.net. And it's URL, which I've never seen in my life, but URL shorteners are a short path to your computer's hard drive. The story is, of course, at 1290.pwop.me because this is show 1290. Yep. And here it is. Lots of cloud services use URL shorteners to allow their users to share access to networked folders. But with only six characters to brute force, in other words, there's only six characters difference from the pattern, from the template, right? It's possible to scan all the URLs associated with a cloud service, locate the open shared folders, and poison them with malware while you plunder them for secrets. <laughs> and... I I am guilty of doing this. I had done this a couple of times, but this is just one of those posts that had me scrambling to, uh, you know, to to go out and fix my stuff and 
not provide, you know, first of all, I don't provide access to shared network folders, but, but, uh, some of these things, it's, uh, it's very common. I, it's super common. And I think, you know, look, just looking at the paper, they're overblowing this to some degree. It may be six characters, but it's more than just, uh, uppercase. It's upper and lower and alpha, you know, there's alphanumeric mm. symbols and so forth. So it's yeah. not, but it's still pretty darn short. But the right. bigger habit here is, when you share something, don't share it forever. Yeah, and don't share it for everyone. Yeah. I mean, even if you do just do, do an open share, a read-only share would be a good one for starters. Right. right? And, and OneDrive's pretty good at this because often we get guests that have files. Right. You know, they, they make their own recording. So that the fact that they can give us a read-only access to it via our, you know, an email, because they're big files, so they get send it to us via email, and maybe it's on a shortener. Yeah. But the main thing here is once you've downloaded the file, drop the share. Make it go away. Totally agree. So, Steve Smith, thank you for that. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it's food for thought. Absolutely. So that's it. 1290.pwop.me. That's what I got today, Richard. Who's talking awesome, to us? Dude. Grabbed a comment off a of show 1275, the one we did back in March when we talked to Robert Schieffer about making MS deploy work. Mm hmm. And I really was glad we did this show because we had talked about, you know, Octopus Deploy and a lot of alternatives for a while. This was a, one of those ones that's like, hey, here's the free tool. And, you know, you just got to learn how to use it. And uh, apparently we're not alone in that opinion because Richard Soleil says pretty much the same thing. He says, MS Deploy is the WPF of the deployment world <laughs> in that it's extremely powerful, but the learning curve is a wall. Wow. The documentation is decent, but more reference than guide. Hmm. I have a tutorial series on my blog that attempts to explain some of the more nuanced concepts, which I've linked below in case it might help someone, and I'll include these links in the show notes. Hmm. To Richard's comment on security, beyond its agent service, MS Deploy can also add a deployment endpoint to the IIS management service, which hmm. is communicated to by port 8172. The benefit of this approach is that it supports using a non-administrator deployed user but still able to perform a mid-level task by impersonating a more privileged user for the particular providers, such as setting app pool settings. It's what's called feature delegation, uh -huh. which is cool, right? You don't have to give a super user account to the installer. Just That's enough privileges for the things that it's going to do. Always a good idea. As for extensibility, MS Deploy has a very deep plugin model. But for some reason, it has never documented it well enough and possibly to avoid having to allow plugin installation on Azure. Hmm. For those interested in seeing what's involved, I have prototype a Windows service provider complete with rules for starting a stop as a service, and it's available on GitHub. So it's an open source project. So I'll, uh, Richard, I'll put both these links up because they're really good stuff. Your blog series is excellent and it's uh, great information. And apparently our guest, uh, Robert agreed because he also responded to, uh, to Richard with, Hey, I've read your blog before. It's awesome. So that's all good stuff. Great. So not the only, you know, Robert was not the only one out there using uh, MS Deploy. Clearly, uh, Richard's using it as well. So, Richard, thank you so much for your comment. The .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media. Because we post every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And you can definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet anytime. We fix broken wires with him. And now it's time to introduce Donovan Brown as our guest. He is a senior DevOps program manager at Microsoft. He also happens to be a professional air hockey player and 
a competitive driver. Welcome to the show, Donovan. How are you guys doing? Doing fine. Things thanks, are thanks good. How do you me. get to be a professional air hockey player? Uh, you have to go to the world championships uh, or go to one of the sanctioned events. It's uh, it, it's pretty intense when you see it up close for the first time. Uh, I remember being annihilated at my first tournament, but <laughs> I'm hyper, hyper competitive. So I was hooked immediately and I've been as high as 11 in the world. Wow. Wow. Dude. Yeah, I took it real serious. <laughs> I think we're in the presence of air hockey royalty, my I friend. I think you're right, man. <laughs> I wouldn't want to just casually say, hey, you want to play air hockey? Just the game magic. Oh, I did, that. I did that recently. It was a lot of fun. When I uh, Microsoft relocated me here to Redmond, and I had two professional tables at the house to train on. And when I came, I asked Microsoft, could I bring one with me and set it up somewhere on campus? So if you go to the commons on campus, that is actually my personal air hockey no table. No kidding! But we have, it, yeah, we have it running 24 hours a day. So anyone can go and play. And my fiance and I go there on Saturdays and play matches against each other to stay in shape. So, and we did that one day. People were playing it. I just nonchalantly walked up and said, Hey, can I play winner? They're like, Sure. And they're just screaming and having a good time. <laughs> and I get on the table and I wax three people in a row, scored 21 points with no one even coming close. They're like, What's ah! happening? And they kind of whispered to the person, Don't worry. Don't worry. He's a professional. They're like, Holy crap. <laughs> that is so badass. <laughs> oh, I wish I had I that love it. superhero skill. Definitely. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, we're talking DevOps, so you and Richard go. I'll just sit down. <laughs> hey, just, just off the top, Donovan, I thought you killed it at Build. Your keynote was awesome. Thank you so much. That that that's really nice to hear. It was so much work. You would. Be, I, mean, I was on stage. I think about nine minutes. That was yeah. five weeks of my life. Right, wow. five <laughs> weeks of just rehearsals and preparations and demo prep, and then it's like nine minutes. But what's amazing is I kind of wish I could have taken a snapshot of my life before I got on stage. Because nine minutes later, my life has not been the same. I mean, literally that nine minutes changed my entire professional career. Wow! It was wow! Wow! <laughs> Yeah, you, it really was. I mean, it, you were so intense. You were, you were, you were awesome. Yeah, you were just wired up and rocking it. It was really, really fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, I was right. I had no choice, right? Because you saw, like, so Miguel goes out before I do, and he just kills, right? He's telling yeah, jokes, yeah, he's, he's making everybody laugh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's showing really great features, and I'm like, okay, I, I think I'm still okay. And then Scott goes up, and he just <laughs> says, oh, by the way, everything is free. I'm like, holy crap, <laughs> dude, and what am I supposed to, how am I supposed to top this, right? I'm like, and I'm standing behind stage, and the little guy's like counting me in, okay, Donovan, we're getting ready to put you out. And I look down, and literally every hair on my arms are standing straight up. Yeah. And the guy's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm ready. Just, just let me go. Just let me get out there right now. And I just swung for the fences. I was like, I got to go big, because these guys are killing it before me. So, I'm glad it came across well because I was actually a little nervous when I stepped out on stage. Well, I thought uh. what was great about it was for me as a developer who does, I've been doing DevOps pretty much all my life, but on a very small scale, right? Sure. Just, you know, for a, a company of one. But, you know, what you really did is you showed just how absolutely easy it is now. It is. There's Yeah. We, we try to reduce as much friction as we can, right? The whole goal is for the developer just to check in code. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Just check in the code. The rest of it is just going to happen for you. Yeah, usually when I, when I go to see things where the topic is anything around DevOps, there's usually a lot of tooling and it's usually very complex. And, and well, Richard, you know, you've been talking about these things for years. Sure. And the fact that, you know, Microsoft brings it now down to just like turning knobs and it's just like unbelievable. 
Right. And I, I think one of my friends, he keeps using the analogy of a IKEA, right? He says DevOps yeah. before Team Foundation Server was a box of tools that, <laughs> or, or, or parts that you had to put together, right? And you hopefully got a bookshelf at the end, or hopefully you got a DevOps pipeline at the end. But it was your responsibility to figure out how to get each of these individual products produced by different vendors to actually talk to each other. And that's what Visual Studio Team Services and Team Foundation Server does so well. It is literally everything that you need to turn an idea into a working piece of software, and it does it for you automatically. There's no stitching together for you to do. It all just talks to each other right out of the box. What's worse is the box isn't named Flordensum shin verse. Yeah, but I, 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 one other thing I like to say whenever I talk about that, because a lot of people immediately get anxious when I say everything that you need is in the box because they're afraid that they have to use everything in the box. And right. they, they don't have the freedom to replace things uh, should they really, really feel that they need to. And that's one thing that we've done really well in what we call the new Microsoft, right? There was a day where we would lock it down and we wouldn't want you to be able to integrate. We want you to use all of it. But if your heart is set on replacing our build system with Jenkins, you can actually do that. Uh, and I have a blog post on DonovanBrown.com that shows you exactly how to do that to where he's like, you know what? I want your work item tracking. I want your continuous deployment. Uh, I want your source code, but I do not want your build system, which I think is ridiculous. But <laughs> but if that's what you decide you want to do, I show you exactly how to replace our build system with Jenkins instead. Well, I, I like that. It's like you, because sometimes you need to bring in your own bits. You know, for sure. If you've got a, there's a larger organization here and we rely on Jenkins and that's how it's going to be. Right. You know, I, I just thought I prefer the answer. Well, then no, that's not a good answer. We, we've got to do better no, than that. It's not acceptable. And what I've also noticed as well is that legacy is, is a hard, a hard argument to beat up against. Right. So they yep. say, Donovan, we have 13 years worth of builds, right? We can't just decide to turn our back on that. And, and I understand that. Uh, what, what I tell people today as well, I'm, I'm brutally honest with what we do well and what we don't do well or what we've done bad poorly in the past. And one of the things I ask whenever I meet a customer who's using Jenkins, I said, when did you do your evaluation? Oh, that we did it three years ago. And then I nod in, in agreement, like, yep, three years ago, I would have made the same decision that you made. But right. I would be hard pressed to find anyone who would do a comparison between Jenkins and our build system today and think that Jenkins was the better solution. And the reason why is because we treat all code exactly the same. We don't give any special treatment to .NET. We treat it the same way that we treat Java and mm. Node.js and Python and Ruby and uh, PHP, whatever you want to develop in. We treat them all equally and try to give you the best experience in the world, no matter what language you program in or what platform you're targeting. And we prove that with Java and giving you code coverage on your on your JUnit test. And the same experience we give our .NET users, we're giving it to our Java users as well. For those who didn't see, can you just sort of recap what you did in your keynote? Uh, the keynote was all about mobile DevOps, right? Um, because with our new acquisition of Xamarin, who's now part of Microsoft, and our previous acquisition of Hockey App, who's also now part of Microsoft. Love hockey. Exactly. We have basically been able to give you an entire mobile DevOps pipeline from the building of your application to the testing of your application. And with Hockey App, even the distri distribution of your application. Yeah. We give you crash analytics. We give you user data. There's just so much information that we're able to provide for you using uh, Hockey App and Xamarin and uh, Visual Studio Team Services. So my goal in that demo was to show you the full mobile DevOps pipeline that we enable here at Microsoft. 
Yeah, and you did it. And uh, you Thank actually you. did deploy something with hockey and, and check it out. I thought it was a pretty compelling demo. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, did, I do remember you doing a deployment. Yeah, what we were doing was taking the application that they had shown in the day one keynote. And uh, I made the joke that we're just going to rub a little DevOps on it and yeah. make it better because what we're going to do <laughs> was put it through a pipeline. So I showed you how we were going to version it, how we we're going to build it, how we were going to actually deploy it with Hockey App and then upload it to the Xamarin test cloud where we actually ran automated tests against physical hardware yeah. and then had those test results come rushing back down into Visual Studio Team Services. So then my summary, I got the full picture of... Uh, my test that ran and if they passed or not, where in my deployment pipeline I had already deployed it so I could see that it had made it to my alpha testers, but it was waiting for approval to go to my beta testers. Yeah. You get the entire dashboard right there in front of you, which is another benefit that you get when the product is all integrated out of the box. You get this unparalleled traceability that you can't get or is very difficult to get when you're piecing together a, a DevOps pipeline with different vendors. Now, full disclosure, the Xamarin Test Cloud isn't a free service. That is seriously hefty stuff there and i don't mean that price wise i mean just what it is has so so many devices to run your stuff on right i mean it would be impractical for anyone to actually try to provision or own all the devices in which they expect to run their application on and that's why things like the xamarin test cloud uh are so powerful we also have partners that are that are in that game as well uh, like perfecto mobile mm -hmm. who also adds not only what we have in xamarin test cloud which is a great offering but they add windows devices right some people forget that there's actually three mobile devices right <laughs> everything's android and ios and sometimes i'm carrying my icon around thinking hey i have a phone too <laughs> right we I, I want people to write apps for my phone and be able to test them and that's happening with some of our partners like perfecto mobile as well, but it, it allows you to say, you know what, I want to focus on my app and I want to let someone else deal with having all of the devices that I need to run my uh, my test against. And both of those do a fantastic job of that. I had not heard of Perfecto Mobile, so that's cool to see some other stacks in that respect. Yeah, is the, they have an is extension. the integration point on all of this Visual Studio Online? Is this about VSO? Oh, well, actually, it's you can actually do everything that we're talking about with Team Foundation Server on-premise as well as what we have in Visual Studio Team Services uh, okay. in the cloud now. Exactly. So what happens is the marketplace and all the extensions, those just came down to the on-premise and we announced that at Build so that the marketplace and all those extensions are now available on-prem as well. We just have to remember that Visual Studio Team Services is updated every three weeks, whereas yep. on-prem wow. is updated every three months. So it just took us time to get that marketplace set up correctly and then package it in such a way that we can then push it to the on-prem users. Nice. Yeah. Yep. And you know, the funny part is like you're saying every three months, you know, updates to Studio every three months is a lot. But the yeah. fact that oh, the cloud's <laughs> ever updated more than once a month is even crazier. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 hilarious. So I was doing an EBC yesterday, which is an executive briefing, and I, I do them quite often, but I did one on Monday. I did another one on Tuesday. There were different features. I was doing the exact same demo, but I go to this page, I'm like, uh oh oh yeah, okay, yeah, that of course that's there already. I'm like, holy mackerel. In one day, <laughs> there's like all these new features, all these new templates in the build start. I'm like, we literally updated this last night. And the beautiful <laughs> thing is, is that Features just show up, right? It's just like, right. holy mackerel, no downtime, no uh, no t code freezes, no migration. It's just every day I go there, it's like Christmas. Yeah. As long as your is your demo still worked the second exactly time. Exactly, it did. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I had to scroll a little bit because normally you go and you click the little green plus for the uh, 
add a new build. And then there's right. the Visual Studio template. There's the, I think there was an Android template. And I've been dying. I'm like, guys, we need some some Java love in this template. Yeah. And I told him this is what I would do for a Maven build. Uh, and I've been waiting for it. And lo and behold, it literally showed up between Monday and Tuesday. So when I went to do the demo the next day, I'm like, wow, I had to scroll down past all these amazing templates that are now in the box. Wow. That's- yep. <laughs> and how many, exactly. and you just sort of said quietly there, Maven builds. So you mean I could be building uh, with Apache Maven? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's uh, one of the things that people seem to to just not, they just, they just refuse to to believe it. But it's true. So when when we that's say any language. because you're speaking crazy talk, <laughs> Mr. Brown. <laughs> I know. It's like Microsoft says this. Yes, Microsoft is saying this. We're literally saying that we will build your application on any language and any platform you want. Our build agent, the agent that actually does all the heavy lifting, runs on Linux, yep. it runs on Mac, and it runs on Windows, which means anything that you want to build, you can build. And funny story, there is a guy out there who has our build agent running on a Raspberry Pi. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> anywhere you want to build your code, we will build your code for you, right? It's literally anywhere you want to go. Because Microsoft's fundamental change under Satya is that the client is no longer the, uh, the profit center. It's all, all things are about Azure now. Yes. Yep. It's yeah. all about consumption. And we want, it, we want you consuming that with Java applications as well as you are PHP and Ruby and Python and .NET. We just want you in Azure. And what we're doing with Visual Studio Team Services is providing you every service that you need so that any language you want to program and any platform you want to target, you can do with us. We have Linux machines running in Azure just as much as we have Windows machines running there. Docker containers running in Azure just like we do any other type of service. So it is truly a new age for Microsoft. And one you of the get a that client, I said, and you get a client, and you get a client, and you get a client. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we don't even care what client it is, right? Because we have plugins for Eclipse. We have plugins for IntelliJ. We have mm. Git support. So all the Git tools you'll know and love, you point them at a Git repo in Visual Studio Team Services, it's going to be just as happy if you pointed it at a GitHub or Bitbucket or any other Git repository because mm. it's just Git. It's not this weird Microsoft version of Git. It's right. just the Git you know and love with pull requests and all the workflows you want enabled with unlimited private repos. So it, we're we're, we're listening to what people are doing, and we're trying to go where they are to help them be productive. Awesome. Zam- yeah, Because Xamarin, think about that. The Xamarin acquisition means I can now build for Android, iOS, and Windows. Yeah, I said it. Windows 2, right? <laughs> There's Windows phones out there. Yeah. You can build for all three of those using our tool set, literally compiling it on a Mac. Right, we're not we're not trying to do some weird type of interpolation. We're literally saying we're gonna go giz- use a Mac. We're gonna go compile your your files there, and then we're gonna upload them so that we can then deploy them using Hockey App. We can use partners like Mac and Cloud, uh, who we have an amazing partnership with, so that you don't even have to go buy a Mac Mini. You can literally just rent a Mac by the hour mm. in the cloud, and the partnership with them is such that they already know how to wire up the agent for you. Yeah. So you simply say, I would like to have a build server in Mac and Cloud. And say, okay, great. Tell us this little bit about you, your personal access token. And there you go. We'll wire up your Mac for you and you're ready to do builds. Unbelievable. Wow. It's and, a new age, guys. <laughs> and of course, you can you can build uh, back ends on, on Linux and you can build front ends on the Mac too as well. Absolutely. And don't forget about Absolutely. Windows Desktop. Exactly. I mean, we can build it anywhere you want us to build it. Uh, I, I think I told the story when I was on stage at the at the build conference is that the first time I installed Linux was after I joined Microsoft. And that's yeah. just like a weird statement to make because yeah. who would think that? 
that that's when I started to installing Linux. And I had mm. to install Linux because all of our stuff works on Linux. Yeah. So it's an amazing it, time. Especially when you're talking about Xamarin and Cordova and so forth, this hybrid mobile story. The build pipeline at some point's got to split into multiple platforms, right? Like, how does that, uh, how do you it, manage this simultaneous build process? Oh, good question. So, what you can actually build two of the, either of them on the same machine. For example, I could build um, both my Android and my iOS on a Mac if I wanted to, or I could build my Android and my Windows on a PC if I wanted to. Android's right. the only one that you can kind of move to any any device that you want. Mm. So, you're going to have a minimum of a Windows machine if you're also going to be targeting Windows. But let's be perfectly honest. As much as I love my Windows phone, most of our comp- uh, most of our customers aren't writing for all three platforms. Yep, They're usually writing right. for two of them, which is Android and iOS. Yep. Because they need to have iOS, that basically mandates that they have a Mac. So what a lot of people are doing is they're just provisioning a Mac where they can build both their Android and their iOS. So it doesn't have to deviate if you're only targeting those two platforms. Right. Right? You just spin up a Mac, you build both your Android and your iOS on the Mac. So it's just one. We also saw an, a new iOS designer in Visual Studio. Yes, and what's even cooler than that is you saw the iOS uh, simulator right on a Windows machine, not on a Mac. Right? <laughs> and that was, was freaking it a awesome. Simulator or an emulator or a VM hoster? Like, was where was that actually running? Oh, good question. So, what ends up happening is is that you still always have to have a Mac to compile it, right? So the right. Mac still does exist. And what we're basically doing is taking the simulator from the Mac and piping it through to your to your PC so that you don't have to leave your PC to simulate a iOS device anymore. Mm. In the past, you had to. You would press F5 in Visual Studio, and then you'd have to turn around to your Mac where the simulator was running. Right. And this is where Miguel said, I don't need a swivel chair anymore. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because now my Mac just sits behind me and I never turn around. I'm programming. I set my breakpoints. I hit a five and a simulator of an iPhone pops up on my desktop. And I was playing with it with my yoga, which has a touchscreen. And I'm able to use finger gesture, pinch gestures, whatever I want to, to zoom in and zoom out of the screen, which you can't do on a Mac, right? right. Because right. they're not touchscreen. Yeah, it's amazing. That's, yeah, so, so it's great. better than what you would Mac get on a Mac. In the cloud option, can I still do the simulator? I that's a good question, but I don't see why you would not. Yeah, because, because it's just there's compiling. Nothing, yeah, I never have to touch the Mac. It, it, there's, I never turn around. I literally, literally, the Mac is literally sitting behind me, and yeah. the simulator is running in front of me. So I don't know why there would be any reason why that would not work. And that's really interesting. I mean, there, there is a, a conversation to be had about not wanting to own the Mac just for that particular purpose. I got to think latency is going to matter. It's no longer one wire away. It's going out to the interwebs and back. Sure. But other than that, if it would, if that would work, that's really an interesting setup. And you know, something that's related to that is the bash shell now on Windows. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of developers use Macs because they need the bash. Right. And so there's just one more reason not to have one. Although right. I, I, I love my MacBook and I do miss touch. But uh, if, you know, it's a great, I've said it before, it's a great machine for running Windows. Oh Windows, my gosh, I, I completely no agree exception. with you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I had, uh, I had a Mac uh, as a gift once and I didn't like it. So I, this is way back when XP was still the operating system. So I boot camped it and I put XP on there. That was the most solid Windows machine I have ever owned in my life. Yeah. It was amazingly fast. It never, it never hung up on me. I could not believe how well it runs Windows. Wow. It's fantastic. Boot camp it. Well, I never, I never booted to, to iOS. 
there was there was very much a stretch uh, there where I thought the PC hardware makers were very lost, and the nicest computers being made were being made by Apple. Right. Uh, it, I mean, it passed. You know, I, I do think that PC makers are now making good-looking machines. And I, some of that I blame on Apple. I mean, A, they needed to compete, and B, like the tablet saved the laptop. You think mm. about just before the iPad came out in 2010, laptops were racing to the bottom. The $500 laptop was a horrible, horrible device. All plastic, <laughs> cheap as it could be, because they're trying to get down to 500 bucks. Sure. And and then along comes the $700 iPad that wipes out that market because for $700, you can have this beautiful device that if that's all the horsepower you need, that's great. And it let the laptop bounce back up to $1,200, which for $1,200, you can get a really nice machine. Yep. I agreed. And in, all in all, I think that, you know, the market's only benefited from all of this stuff. That's so competition makes everybody better, right? Uh, that's yeah. I think that's why Visual Studio is is better, and that's why Visual Studio Team Services is better. We do what we call um, um, bake offs internally at Microsoft. Oh, really? We'll pick a, yeah, we'll pick a competitor, and we will literally have one of our internal guys learn as much as they possibly can about that and literally do a pitch of our competitor's product. Wow! And then they'll have one of us pitch our own product, and then we vote. Like, which one would you have purchased based on that pitch? Hmm. And if we lose, then we go back and figure out, okay, what features do they have uh, that makes it so compelling? What can we do to go close those gaps? And since I've been a program manager, which was since just June, we've done several of those, and I've seen a direct impact on our product. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? It must be that happy time again. You bet. It's time to replace my Jenkins build system with a bag of Swedish meatballs. <laughs> Swedish meatballs from Ikea <laughs> with ginger snap gravy <laughs> ginger snap that one was for you Magnus <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice actually it's time to give away a Grape City Actor Reports to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club Grape City Actor Reports is the reporting platform for all your business needs design, publish, view, print and export operational reports such as invoices, expense reports tax and government forms as well as strategic and analytical reports such as sales performance, budgeting, and revenue analysis. Active Reports gives you the operation and flexibility you need to turn your data into informative, pixel-perfect reports across the entire enterprise. Check them out. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Prasad Pilutla from Bangalore. Congratulations, Prasad. Yes. I'll clap for you, sir. Prasad wins the Grape City Active Reports. That's a big pile of awesome from Grape City. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you got to sign up to win. And now it's your turn. If you had... Uh, $5,000 to spend on technology today, Donovan, what would you buy? I'd go get a HoloLens. All right. <laughs> I would too. Without, could... without hesitation. <laughs> Dude, you work for Microsoft. Don't you all get HoloLens? I have not even touched one with my... I've never touched one. Oh, I mean, they're oh, that top secret and that hard to get a hold of it in Microsoft. Yeah. Never seen one. That's a I mean, little At crazy. what point is... 
At one point, does HoloLens become normal operating procedure for every Microsoft employee? You go to your I, office, you put on your hat, and off you go. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Like, just imagine the Kanban board that you could actually walk through and move side your cards around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and every surface is a screen now, right? Like, it's just exactly. how many screens would you like? You don't need to buy monitors. Like, you could really save money with HoloLens. I'd like to see yes. a Kanban board with embedded video icons of all the developers that are working on things. I could just tap one and then be talking to them. There you, you know, go. Without yes. having to... Uh, Without having to call and wait for them to answer and stuff, just say, "Hey, <laughs> awesome. I, I want to bug people. I want to micromanage. <laughs> <laughs> I am literally hovering in your reality. I'm, right. I'm out of your screen. <laughs> <laughs> Too cool. What did you work on? T- what did you work on yesterday? What are you working on today? What do you need to do tomorrow? How can I help you? <laughs> Look, you can make our cells into Clippy. It looks like you're building software. That's what I want. Can I, I help you? That's the singularity for me. I want to be Clippy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. We've gone to a dark, dark place. For sure. We got to get back into this because there's so much good stuff going on here in terms of the overall, you know, build process and so forth. When I, but when I think DevOps, I'm going to put my IT hat on here now. Okay. I think about instrumentation. How am I measuring when apps are failing in the field, especially mobile apps, how I get that fed back to the team so they can react to them and support them, and how do we actually make software better? Good question. So we have that actually built into Hockey App, and we also had it inside of some of the Xamarin offering. So what we've done is we've combined that monitoring, crash analytics, feedback, user data, session data, all that comes rushing back into Hockey App from the users of our applications. It's the same type of telemetry that we collect on Visual Studio Team Services. When there's an issue in Visual Studio Team Services, we know about it before our customers do because of the monitoring that we're doing. And we start taking corrective actions immediately, try to mitigate that before we ever get a service call from our users. And we have that exact same functionality inside of our mobile offerings as well. Because the way that we define DevOps is DevOps is the union of people, process, and products to enable continuous Mm -hmm. delivery of value to our end users. I emphasize the word value because we're not just trying to copy files around. We're trying to deliver value to our end users. And to do that, you have to monitor your application as it runs to determine, did I just copy files or did I actually deliver value? Are they finding features that we added? Are they uh, actually... doing things more quickly than they did before because I actually delivered value. And what's interesting is you can deliver value without delivering software. Think about it from an infrastructure perspective. If I'm doing infrastructure as code and I check in a change to my infrastructure that increases the performance of my application, I've delivered value without delivering a single line of code. Or I shouldn't say code. You didn't actually change your application. When you go to infrastructure's code and configure's code, we're taking those and turning them into code. But you didn't actually modify the application. You just modified the infrastructure, which right. still delivered value. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this performance is a feature also, right? So I, mean, I used I used to be in this business where I didn't add a single new feature to the app, and yet I increased utilization of the app. I increased profitability of an e-commerce site by making it faster because faster sites, more people buy, and they buy more. Awesome. Yep, I completely agree. And we're trying to turn everything we possibly can into code uh, so that we can automate the, the deployment of that, be it software, infrastructure, configuration, the whole nine yards. 
So is it, I mean, can I use Hockey App everywhere? We probably should do a whole show just on Hockey App at some point uh, here. Too. Probably, Absolutely. and I can get Thomas to come join us as well. He's one of the co-founders of Hockey App and now works with us at Microsoft. He we, and I are presenting together at uh, Xamarin Evolve here in a couple of weeks. So uh, he'd be a great guest to have on here to, to really give you the ins and outs of what Hockey App can do for we you. We just finished a project at AppV Next where it was invaluable, and it, it, especially for the, the customer. You know, they want to see it right away. And of course, right. that's a big problem. You can't just put something in the store and wait for it and just Correct. for testing. So, yeah, it was invaluable. We loved it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Glad to hear. Yeah, it's just that. So, I, does it actually generate bug reports in TFS or can it, can I push it to a different bug reporting tool? Like, how do I get back the message of a crash? How does a crash appear to the team? That's a fantastic question. Uh, and the answer is yes. So there is a dashboard in Hockey App where you'll be able to see the crash analytics, the user metric information, and also feedback that's given to you by the users of your application. That information can automatically make its way back inside of Visual Studio Team Services as a bug or as feedback from the user, depending on how they submitted it. Visual Studio Team Services is not the only target uh, that you can actually... Um, go to using visuals, I mean, uh, hockey app. So hockey app can go to uh, other third party tools as well, as long as right. they basically give us service endpoints that we can exploit. Great question. Well, and it, you know, for me, it's been as long as operations is writing the bug reports, you can criticize the bug report. When the right. application's writing the bug report, <laughs> there's really nobody to argue with. <laughs> yeah, I know. You get the stack traces. You get the device information. Yeah. You get everything that you yeah. need to diagnose yeah. it. The, the, the system doesn't forget to give you important information. Yeah, that I'm user really would. sorry. All I have is the truth. Right. <laughs> I don't have. There's no interpretation here. This is what happened. It's almost like, do you mind if I pay cash? Is that okay? <laughs> is that all right? <laughs> but the, the big thing I noticed... Working with teams when we started doing this was instead of the IT guy and the ops guy the, and the dev looking at each other and arguing over the bug report, the bug report was up on the screen and they were both like on the same side of the problem going, right. what do you think this means? Right. How did and this happen? What does this look like? Right. And I think when you automate the way that we're trying to, there's no way I can point the finger at you anymore because you didn't right. do anything. Right. It, it really kind of yeah. says, okay, we're both innocent here. Okay, we, yeah. we deployed what we thought was right, and it's not working. Let's go, let's go fix this together. And it's not the pointing the fingers at each other because the lights on the server went out. And now why did the lights go out? Because the software I put on there was crap or because you didn't install the software correctly? Which I always think right. is funny because the operations guy's job was never to install my software, right? It became his job because every time I installed my software, the lights went out. So they're like, screw that, man. <laughs> I only Donovan, took on this job because you sucked at it. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, you don't get to touch the servers anymore. What you get to do, Donovan, is you get to package your software and you get to write a document that tells me what to do because I don't trust you on my machines. And I always laughed at that because I'm thinking, if my software is crap, what do you think my documentation is going to look like? Right. <laughs> you think you have, do you think you have any chance in hell to be able to deploy my software based on what I'm telling you to do? Not a chance. Because what happens is, is I forget to write things down that right. I would just think, there, or you know that, or, or I right. assume that you know, know that. that. Yeah, we assume exactly. everybody knows what you Or have. when I'm in the heat of the battle and I'm trying to do a live deployment and something goes wrong, I just know how to react to the scenario. I don't think to write in, oh, if this happens, go make sure that you tell them, look at Appendix A if this happens. Right? It's, it's not the way that we write the documentation. It's all optimistic, happy path. And if it deviates from that at all, then we're back to the same situation as I might as well deploy it myself. 
Happy path. I like that. Nice. Yeah. So I, DevOps is basically what everyone hoping is the cure to that problem is that if we can get some automation in there, a better process and our people on board, then we can mitigate a lot of that that frustration that's been built up over decades of ops and devs pointing fingers at each other. Right? Yeah. That's the whole point. We, yep. You get that win. So, the, I mean, this gets back to this deployment as code as well. So I, I, you know, if you send me a Word document, you've already failed. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so you you send me the code and if the code doesn't run then you failed too but at least i know you know we know what it is the code failed it's not you correct forgot to write something down correct and we can go back and audit that and version it and try again you know an ongoing conversation has been in been in uh uh dot rocks for a while now has been these different deployment tools and uh, as a comment i read earlier was about a show we did specifically at ms deploy just mm-hmm. because it seems like the octopus deploys of the world will get a lot of love and ms deploy can do a lot it just seems like it's not particularly well documented mm-hmm. correct um you know there's a lot of people out there who have made it do amazing things uh and one thing that i like about our deployment mechanism through release management is that we don't care. We don't care if you want to use Octopus or Chef Deploy or Web or Web Deploy or a zip file or Azure. To us, we are the orchestrator of the movement of the code. You choose the tool and we are the product that is basically going to go and tell that tool when to do what it wants to do. So I agree with you. I think Web Deploy is an extremely powerful technology and we can leverage that for you using release management. If you're just hard is set on using Puppet or Chef d- Delivery or you want to use Octopus and make everything a NuGet package, we'll help you there too. But what's really nice about our release management system is it's BYOB. Bring your own binary. We don't care what it is, right? If it's a NuGet <laughs> package, a zip file, or WAR file, because we do Java just as well as we do anything else, just give it to us. And what we're going to do is we're going to allow you to deploy that application for any platform on any language. So, yeah, we can go back and forth on if web deploy is great. I honestly don't care because if you want to use it, we will. If you want to use something else, we'll use that too. So, you, if you said it, if you said BYOB to me, I'd bring Ikea brand vodka. That's what I'd bring. <laughs> <laughs> we could probably help you deploy that too. <laughs> nice. So... Uh, there was a product acquired by Microsoft a while ago called, was it in release? Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and we've done a couple of shows with the guys that were, you know, part of that team too. But I kind of like how that would fit in your overall context for this. Well, that's interesting because in release is now release management. Right. So mm. when we, and what's, what's funny about that is that when in release was acquired was the same time that Microsoft recruited me to come join Microsoft. So in release or what we now call release management and I joined Microsoft at the exact same time. What I thought was really interesting is that is before I joined Microsoft, I was a process consultant for seven years with a little company called Notion Solutions. So I literally mm-hmm. flew all over the world installing and implementing Team Foundation Server. I'm a huge Agilist certified Scrum Master, and I would stay on staff with the customers for months, sometimes a year, and basically help them come kicking and screaming from the waterfall world into the Agile world using Team Foundation Server. But there was a gap in that product, right? It stopped at continuous integration. It did not help you in any way with deploying your code to any environment. 
And people would be like, okay, Donovan, how are we going to go to the next step? And I'm like, oh, I'm just packing up my stuff and like <laughs> whistling like, I can't hear you because we can't do what you're asking me to do. And uh, then I come to Microsoft and they introduce me to release management. I'm like, holy mackerel. I almost wish I was a consultant again because everything my customer was asking me to do, I could now do for them. So I attached myself to release management. Uh, and I've been speaking on release management since I joined Microsoft, which kind of got me uh, some of the attention that I got early on. And that's basically dovetailed into, we want you to go well beyond just release management and do the entire DevOps pipeline architecture for us, which is the role that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. But I love release management. Huge fan. Just a flashback. Like, if I remember correctly, Notion Solutions, was that acquired by Imaginet? It was. was Absolutely. Yeah, way back in the day. We know that. So that's uh, Joel Semeniak and there's a couple other RD types that were involved in all of that as well. Chris Menegay? Chris Menegay, yeah. Chris Menegay was one of the founders and Dave uh, McKinstry were the two founders of Notion Solutions. It's a funny story. So I was, I think I was employee number nine or number 10 at Notion Solutions way back in 2006. And of the original 13 guys that made up that company, 11 of us were at Microsoft at the same time. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) After after Notion Solutions. It was like, that's kind of crazy. It was like, we used to joke that Microsoft is the company formerly known as Notion because we were all inside of Microsoft at the exact same time. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah, that's Small really uh, very, very interesting how those things work out. But, you know, yep. Notion Solutions and Imagine it both, it's like they got DevOps in the Microsoft stack first. It was very much focused around the ALM side and, and uh, VSTS, but the goal was the same. It was, you know, how do I get operations development working close together to build better software? Absolutely. And what was interesting is we actually were what we call a process consulting firm that just happened to specialize on Visual Studio Team Services because, or back then it was Team System, uh, because it, it wasn't the tools that we really cared about. It was the process that you use to develop your software. Were you a, right. a highly functioning agile team? Were you thinking about things like continuous delivery and continuous integration? Were your teams actually employing unit testing? Uh, how were you monitoring your, your product backlog and how were you grooming it? So it was really about process. It just so happened that team services had everything that we need in it so that we could go right. back in and help a customer do that. So yeah, we were more about the process than we were about the tooling. It just so happened that the timing worked out perfect that that tooling really enabled a lot of what we wanted our customers to do. Well, I would have thought the tooling was the weakest part of the whole equation, which is good because it, in some ways it's the least important. I've, oh, whatever absolutely. I've talked about DevOps, I've talked about sort of culture process tooling. Right. And so, you you know, you build up this process of we want to work better together. We're, we're allowed to fail and recover from that. But the if I feel like you guys right now are working hard on the tooling part of this. Like what I see coming from Microsoft at this moment is finally like these are the tools that will make all of this easier. Correct. So I, I call it the three P's. So I call it the people, the process, and the products. And right. as you said, we are heads down on the products because the people is the hardest part of this entire equation. And that's hands something down, Microsoft no can't question. change. Is your but however, people. see, that's interesting that you say that, right? Because what I think that we can actually do is if we come out with the coolest tools you've ever seen that no one could argue is going to make your life easier, that is going to help influence the people. Well, that's true. Right. So that's how I look at it. I totally agree with that, that as much as you want to put the tools or the products at the end of the line on that, 
It wasn't until we were having routine in-production bug reporting that every crash was logged and hauled back. So you could see this particular error happens this many times, always on the same kind of hardware that you had enough information to sort of suck the venom out of a, it's your lousy infrastructure. No, it's your lousy software. Correct. It's like, here's the data, kids. We get 200 of these an hour, but it's only <laughs> this kind of phone. Exactly. Exactly. So the, I, I, I completely agree. People is the most important. And the way that I say that is that here at Microsoft, we produce the products that are going to shape the process to enable your people. Right. That's my right. goal every day is to come to work and figure out how can I make sure that these products that we produce are really going to be able to, to shape the process that is necessary for your people to be successful. And, and every day I come and figure out ways that I can actually do that for our customers. See, I see two aspects on the product here. There's the, if you know you need this, then you're already looking for that product. But there's right. also the, uh, the product as the persuader. Hey, look at this. Right. Who, you know, I didn't even know I needed to know that. Now that I see it, I know I need to know. <laughs> exactly. And release management has that effect on people. Yes. When they see it and they see the, the approvers and like, wow, I didn't even think that's a good point. I do want my QA guy to be the gatekeeper of the, of the QA environment, not only coming into the environment, but leaving the environment. I didn't even think about that, but that's really cool that your product enables that. I'm going to use that when I go home. And that's where the product literally drove the process. Well, yes. that, that, I mean, if I can draw a similar parallel, that happens to me in music all the time with gear. Gotcha. I remember, I remember seeing my first music workstation, which was a Korg M1, that had sort of everything in it, all the sounds, the drums, it had a MIDI sequencer, it, it did everything. And uh, just by having that, I started composing music that worked best on it. Do you know what I mean? It, gotcha. It, it, so, yeah, it can happen. Oh, you can do that? That means we can do this with exactly. that, right? Right. So I, I, I'm, I'm, that's the, that's the focus and the, and the pivot that I take every day. Let's make this so cool. Everyone wants one and they just, then I, they light up with the possibility. So a lot of my blog posts are literally full walkthroughs of, let's think of some radical scenario right. and let's just see if we can make it work, right? Do the, sure. are the tools powerful enough to make this a reality? And let's see what that sparks in someone else's mind. Cause like, oh man, I, that's, that makes me think about this. Yeah, and next yeah. Thing you know, there's uh, some other cool stuff. Yeah, happening. exactly. Now that we have the Harry Potter magic wand, right? <laughs> what are we going to create with it? Um, well, right. let's, <laughs> let me think about that. Exactly. Yeah. So what's next for you, Donovan? What's on your inbox? Oh, man, what happened was, like I said, when we first started talking, I wish I would have seen my life nine minutes, like the nine minutes before and after I got on stage. So <laughs> I walk off stage and I was so proud because Scott Guthrie's assistant attacked me and said, you're coming to Dev Intersection and you're doing that again. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> but I was already planning to go to Peru and they're like, you change your flight. So oh. I'm going to Dev Intersection. So I'll be hanging out with you guys with Scott. And all then right, awesome. I have to go to Xamarin Evolve. I'm in that keynote now all of a sudden as well. I'm in the keynote right. in Dev Days. Uh, it's just been... It's Literally, the curse I came of off success, my friend. Exactly, exactly. I came <laughs> off the stage, and there were more tweets than it could tell me. It was like ninety nine plus notifications, and it was just like, "What just happened to me?" I was only gone for nine minutes, but it's as if I time traveled to some crazy time in the future where everyone knows who I am, and I get recognized. I took more selfies in Mexico when I went to go visit than it's ever happened before. I had the football team there taking pictures with me. I'm like, "What is happening to my life right now?" Because <laughs> I just wow. do not understand what happened. It was only nine minutes but it was the most important nine minutes of my life 
That's what happens when you run DevOps on it, right? Exactly. You just got to rub a little DevOps on it and make it better. <laughs> <laughs> we have a spray bottle over here. <laughs> nice. <man. laughs> All right, Donovan, thank you so much for spending this hour with oh, us. Oh, my Remember. pleasure. My pleasure, guys. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a...